So I just wanted to start um, tonight. Obviously, it's a different format this evening. So we're, we're going to be asking questions to a panel. You get to grill them, ask them the trickiest questions you can, hopefully get answers. But we're going to be talking about ambition. Ambition. And particularly as Christians, our relationship with ambition. Uh, and so I just wanted to start. I hope this is on. Is this one on? Good. I wanted to start just by asking some of you what your ambitions are. Um, so let me, let me pick out a few. Um, Nigel. Ambition. Seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, trust Nigel to be all holy and uh, godly. Anyone else? Jamie? Uh, probably, other than the Holy Joe answer, probably to see my family, my children grow up safe and happy. Great ambition. Yeah. Anyone else? Brenda. To keep and be with my Christian friends and family and to serve them as long as I can. Good. Wow. These are some awesome ambitions. Where are the kind of like, I'm going to run a marathon in under two and a half, two and a half hours or, I don't know. Who else? Topper. Let me come round. Can I squeeze through? Oh. What have you got for us? Well, I think for me is uh, happiness and peace. Happiness and peace. Anyone else at the back? Anyone want a mic? I'm going to ask the curate. What's your ambition? What are your ambitions? I do have an ambition to climb Everest. Do you know, I but had I, that I, ambition when I was younger. I think it's not going to happen, though. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Have you got 70 grand? That's how much it costs, apparently. Victoria, do you have an ambition for us? Don't be holy. Come on. Oh, oh you don't want a holy one. I don't want a holy one. Okay, well, could I lose half a stone? Uh, <laughs> you don't need to lose half a stone. Absolutely not. Good. Um, so we're talking about ambition. Um, and particularly, as I said, our relationship... This feels a bit strange. I feel like I'm on a TED talk or something. Um, walking around. Um, I'm going to turn that off, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about ambition, and particularly our relationship with... Uh, with, with ambition as Christians. And so we're asking ourselves the question, if I am a Christian, can I still have ambitions? If I'm a Christian, can I still be ambitious? Can I have ambitions of my own? I don't know about you, but I think this is a really tough question. Um, not if you're Nigel and you've got ambitions that are just rooted in, in kind of being a Christian. Um, but I think... And I know Nigel will have lots of other ambitions as well. But I know, um, for me, I find this a really tough question. Maybe it's because I'm a kind of middle-aged man who's maybe approaching a, some form of breakdown and he wants to kind of, I don't know, go and conquer the world or something. But um, I know I'm not alone. So as part of preparing for this talk, I went out and I talked to a lot of my friends and I said, look, what is your relation?" And I emailed a few people. What is your relationship with ambition been over the course of your life? What's it like right now? And I got a lot of different answers back. And I've been struck just by how easy it is for ambition to be something beyond the reach of Jesus, of our faith. It's almost too personal. It's that thing that is precious. It's closely held in our hearts. Maybe we don't even tell our wives or our husbands what our true ambitions are. Maybe we do. Maybe they're... Maybe, I don't know, my poor wife. 
I like triathlon. I wasn't going to say this. I like triathlon, and I got into something called Ironman. My poor wife just, uh, she's put up with Ironman for far too long. Um, she knows all about it, sadly. But um, they run deep within us, don't they? They're the things that course through our very blood. And as Christians, I think we find ourselves between two very different views of ambition and not really knowing quite where to stand. So on the one side, we've got the world. And the world teaches us that being ambitious is critical just to survive in this world. How can I compete in my job? How can I provide for my family? How can I be credible in my workplace, in my life? How can I earn enough money to buy a house in London? All these things. I mean, if I'm not competitive and I'm not ambitious, I'm not going to survive. And I think also our own instincts as well. Our own instincts drive from within us to achieve and to progress. If you're anything like me, you love ticking things off a to-do list. That's our instinct to, to complete and to to finish things. And yet on the other side, as Christians, we've got the Bible that says, and I've put a few of these verses on those little sheets for you, make it your ambition, this is Paul to the Thessalonians, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands. Paul writes again to the Philippians. Is that that one? Was it? No. Um, So he writes to the Philippians, he says... I consider everything a loss. Everything a loss compared to knowing Jesus, for whose sake I have lost all things. Wow. I consider everything a loss, he says. He's given up everything to know Jesus. I.e., no more ambitions of my own. And so how should we, sitting here today, 2,000 years after Paul... Christians, living in Blackheath, London, wherever we live, doing the jobs we do, how should we think about our ambitions in the context of knowing Jesus? Do we give up on all personal ambition? Or does our faith have no impact and we allow allow ourselves to be just as ambitious as the rest of those around us in the world, just as much as we want? It's tricky, isn't it? It's really hard. And I've I've been grappling with this question for weeks since Hannah asked me. I want to ask and hopefully try and answer three questions over the course of the next 15 minutes or so. Firstly, what is so wrong with ambition anyway? What is so wrong with ambition anyway? Secondly, does God not want me to use my gifts and my dreams? And thirdly, am I ready to give it all away? Am I ready to give it all away? So firstly, let's dig in. So what what is so wrong with ambition anyway? What's so wrong with it? Surely it's a good thing, right? Surely it's a good thing. Certainly where I work. I work for Bloomberg in the city. Um, it's probably one of the most capitalist companies in the world, sadly. I, I, yeah, maybe I need to rethink that at some stage, but I've been there long enough. Um, but where I work, ambition is extolled as a real quality. When you have your end-of-year reviews, it's like, wow, Simon's not very ambitious, or Simon's so ambitious, like, he gets things done. And so from an early age, we're called to be people who change the world, world beaters, dynamic, driven, energetic, focused. Isn't this what God wants us to be? 
doesn't he want this from his people? People so motivated to be alive in his world that they get up every single day inspired to change the world. Maybe. I want you to imagine that you could take ambition in your hand. And I didn't do science for very long at school, but, um, but imagine you could put it on your science table and you get your knife and you start dissecting it. I think you'd find a lot of good things inside it. You'd find things like energy, motivation, drive, dynamism, get up and go, the desire to see things through. But the core ingredient, or one of the core ingredients, single-mindedness, blind drive to succeed, to reach the top, to stand above everyone else. And it's that ingredient that tells us that we not only have to do our best, but we have to be the best. We have to have the bigger house, we have to earn more, we have to become more famous, more followers, leave a bigger legacy, leave more money to charity, etc., etc. And do you know what? Almost always, ambition, an ambition search has at its foundation one of a few core human needs it's searching for. Recognition, security, comfort, meaning, approval. Think about it. We might be chasing a bigger house, but underneath what we are really chasing is the feeling that we are significant. We're somebody. Or to know that we're secure. We have this roof, this strong, big roof over our head. We mean something. We're going to be around for a long time. We're safe from the storm. In the Old Testament, there was a people called the Babylonians who were once the powerhouse of the world. They ran it. And in Genesis, the Babylonians say, come, and they've got this on your sheets, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the, to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. It's not just a city. It's not just a tower. They're making a name for themselves. They want to be someone. They want to leave their mark. And the problem with that is that as Christians, all those core human needs, meaning, security, approval, etc., are found first and foremost in God. That's what the Bible says. Look down at your sheets. John says in chapter 1, To all who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To become children of God. Accepted, approved. Not just friends, but in the very folds of his kingdom. 1 Peter 2, verse 9, the message version, which I loved when I read it. But you are chosen by God, your God's instruments, to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others about the night and day difference he has made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. Colossians, Paul, Paul writes, In Christ, all the fullness of God And in Christ you've been brought, sorry about this, and in Christ you've been brought to fullness. In Jesus, all the fullness of God is there. And in Christ we have been brought to fullness. We have these things, approval, acceptance, security, comfort, meaning. God is all those for us. Go back to our science table, you've got ambition, you continue dissecting it. The second thing you'll uncover is, is it is... It is stubbornly selfish. It can be very selfish. People blind with ambition will trample and hurt each other on the way up. They'll talk down to other people. 
It might be overt and it might be out in the open. Or it could be the silent suffering of a family at home who never see dad because he's chasing the dream. He wants to be the top banker in London. He wants a bigger bonus. He wants the top job. And this picture is the polar opposite to Jesus. And it's not only the polar opposite to Jesus, but it's the polar opposite of what Jesus calls us to be as Christians. That passage there written just uh, on your sheets, Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. But in humility, consider other people better than yourselves. Don't look to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus. He was God. He was God himself. But he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. That's such an ambitious word, isn't it? Grasped. But he made himself nothing, becoming a servant. There's a passage when two two of Jesus' disciples ask him, they say, Jesus, can we sit next to you in heaven? Can we sit on your right and on your left? And the other ten hear about it and they go absolutely mad. They're furious. And Jesus says to all of them, he gathers them around and he says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be great has to become the servant. How, how counter-cultural is that, right? How counter-banker top job, top lawyer in the city, whatever it might be. World champion Ironman, sadly not me. Jesus calls us to be servant-hearted. Can we be servant-hearted and ambitious? I'm not sure. Maybe that's a question to ask. So the third final thing, back to our table, that you find as you continue to, to decide to dissect ambition is that it is full of promise, but it doesn't deliver. Jesus tells the story of the sower who sows his seed out across, and it, some falls in the path, weed, good soil, etc. And the stuff that falls among the weeds, he says, they start worrying about the needs of this life. They're fooled by the desire to get rich and to have all kinds of things. And the message gets choked. He says even more clearly in Mark 8.36, what does it gain a man to gain the whole world but give up his soul? Ambition strives. I love, is that still up there? Yeah. Ambition strives. Such a word for me that as I've wrestled with ambition over my life, striving has been such a word kind of wrapped up in it. It's the thing that we think will give us significance and meaning in life. We think, if I can just do this, if I can just complete an Ironman, I'm going to be complete. I'm not going to have to do anything else. I'm going to literally be able to live off that for the rest of my life. If I can just get that job, if I can just earn that amount of money, if I can just have that much in my savings, if I could just marry her, all these things, probably quite good things in and of themselves, but we chase them, don't we? I've done a few, I've talked about this, uh, I've done a few marathons and triathlons in my time, and this is, 
I think this is quite a common one for, I think, lots of people, but maybe particularly young blokes. Um, and you always want to beat a time, don't you? And you think, if I can just finish it. For me, I did this Ironman, and I finished, and I thought, I'm going to do it once. And if I can just do it in under 10 hours, oh, no, I'm going to live off that. I did it in 10 hours and 48 seconds. Um, so, so I went back and I did it the year after. Um, and I'm going to stop there, hopefully. Hopefully, please. Um, but you think, I'm going to sleep easy for the rest of my life. Nothing more to conquer. I've done it. But everyone knows you cross the line. You sleep easy for one night. You wake up the next morning. You think, I need to go faster. I've got, I've got to do better. I can do this. Um, and it's a fun example, but it does highlight exactly what ambition is like. It is never satisfied. Approval and meaning never come. Because that thing could never provide it. It was never to be found there in the first place, but we think it is. The goalpost just keeps moving further and further. The bar gets higher and higher. Jesus said, Why do you worry about clothes and food? What should we eat? What should we wear, you say? The pagans, Jesus says, run. They strive after these things. Your father knows you need them. He knows you need recognition. He knows you need security. But guess what? Seek first his kingdom. Everything else will come. So, my, my next question. Does God not want me to use my gifts and pursue my dreams? That's probably a really common thing, I think, for us to think. And I hear you saying, Simon, I completely agree. Ambition is dangerous, or it can be. But God's given me dreams and gifts. Surely he wants me to pursue them. There are some great examples of people in the Bible, and I wanted to, to share them. It's clear God does give gift and opportunity, and he wants us to use them. Take Daniel. Remember the story of Daniel? An Israelite in the kingdom of Babylon. Um, and he goes on this training program, and the king is looking for the best people. But Daniel refuses to eat the right food. He takes this diet that's vastly inferior. But at the end of the program, the chief priest, the chief official, sorry, of the kingdom says, he presented them to the king. And the king found no one equal to Daniel. In every matter of wisdom, he found them ten times better than the whole of the rest of the kingdom. Daniel was massively gifted. But he he did so trusting God. He did this whole thing trusting God. Right at the start, he stuck his neck out and he said, I'm not going to eat that. It might harm me, but I'm not going to eat that. He handed the outcome over to God. He trusted whether or not he would succeed over to God. There's another great example, Esther. She's a wonderful example of God using someone at the perfect time, in the perfect place, in the perfect role in in history. There's a king at the time, and he's looking for the most beautiful girls in his kingdom, um, and he's then going to choose a wife. So he finds many girls. They undergo this 12-month program of beautification um, before the king chooses his new queen. And amazingly, Esther is chosen. But she's a Jew and a foreigner. She's an outcast from this group. But while she's queen, a plot is discovered to destroy the Jews. And she takes a massive risk. She tells the king she pleads for the lives of her people. And she sticks her neck out, just like Daniel. And the king saves them. 
Now, I don't know much about Esther's ability or gifts, but here is a woman at the very top of society. She is right at the top, being used by God to save his people. There were many others I won't go into now. Joseph, a great example. But Paul says in the New Testament, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God in Corinthians. So yeah, he does want us to use our dreams. Pursue them, chase them. He wants us to use our gifts. But for his kingdom, for him. I'm going to finish with the last point. And it comes back to the reading that Hannah read for us about the the young man. Are you ready to give it all away? One of the things that strikes me about Esther and Daniel in particular is that they take this huge risk. They trust God with the outcome. Daniel, he refuses to eat the food. Esther, she admits to being part of the outcast people. They were prepared to give it up. They trusted God with the outcome. And there's this story of this rich young man. He comes to Jesus and he says, Teacher, what good thing should I do to get eternal life? What do I have to do? Tell me. And the young man's got everything. He's achieved everything. He's, as a Jew, he's spotless. He's kept all the regulations. He is like, he's going to heaven, he thinks. And so Jesus says, he recites the commands. Love God, etc., etc. And the young man says, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, I've kept all of these. What else? What am I lacking? And I think he's looking for Jesus to say, mate, you're perfect. But he says, what am I lacking? Is there anything I'm missing? Jesus looks at him, Mark says, and he loves him. He loves this guy in front of him and he says, in a moment... He pierces through that smoke screen. The camouflage, all of it. He looks at that young man and he says, straight to the heart, go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Give it away. Then, my friend, you will have treasure in heaven. I don't know if you can find one, but nowhere else in the Bible could I see anyone else being asked to give up all their wealth. You've got Zagir who gives up half. Um... But with this young man, he's asked to give up everything. It's a drastic measure, like almost like an addict. And what Jesus is doing is, like I said, he's cutting, bang, right to the heart of this man's issue. Pierces the smokescreen right to where it matters. You see, the man's difficulty is that underneath everything, all the surface, all the perfection, is there's a power struggle with God about his dreams And that dream is money for him. And our difficulty underneath everything, all the smokescreen, is that there's a power struggle between us and God over our dreams, our ambitions. God says to Abraham in the Bible, take your son Isaac, the one son you waited a hundred years for, or whatever it was, the one you thought you could never have, the one you love just incomparably. Go and sacrifice him for me. What? Really? To the rich young man. Give it all away. What he's saying is this. He says, surrender your dreams. I want, Jesus says, the most important thing in your life. 
The thing that you think will give you significance and joy. The thing you think will fulfill you and complete you. Be willing to part with it. To walk away from it all. And put me first. That's what Jesus says. And then you will have treasure in heaven. I will be your treasure. And we will be his treasure. Everything he gives us, his righteousness, his forgiveness, his approval, his acceptance. And I think this is where it hinges and where our personal ambitions come into into the, the, the vision or the picture. If you have your primary ambition in Jesus, if Jesus is everything you want and that's all you want and you want to be close to him and know him and be found in him, We're free from the power of the other ambitions. And we can go and pursue them with his blessing and with his joy as he sees us become a great violinist, a great doctor. And his is permanent. It won't fail. The bar doesn't keep going bang, bang, bang. No. Knowing him, living for him, bringing glory to him, that's... That becomes our primary ambition. Let me finish and I'll shut up then because uh, I've gone over my time. But with that passage from Philippians, it's just such a, an amazing picture of ambition in the Bible. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. I haven't already obtained all this. I haven't been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize prize for which God has called me. I'm going to stop there. Am I on? Yes. I really hope that has given you some food for thought, um, made you... Yeah, maybe you've got some questions out of what Sai has been speaking on that you would like to get some answers to. Before we go to a refreshments break, I'm going to invite the panel up to introduce themselves um, while I babble on if the panel want to appear. That would be great. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's really good for you to know who is going to be on the panel, so, but also to know a little bit about the panel so that you can aim your questions maybe at one of them directly, if you're kind. Um, yeah, just if you have a bit of insight about them, them, it's a bit easier for you to know what sort of questions to ask. So, I, f- I feel like Peter just asked to go first, didn't he? No? Rachel. Right. Hello. Um, my name's Rachel. Um, I am a secondary school teacher. Um, and I'm also a mum of three small children. And um, I really love teaching. And I kind of started moving up through the ranks of teaching. And then five years ago, I became a mum. And um, I suppose I've been in a process of um, figuring out how my career ambitions and my um, role as a mum kind of fit together and making my peace with allowing my career to kind of plateau for a time or perhaps to go by the wayside entirely um, and how God can use me where I'm at. Um, I'm Amber. I'm a gap year student so I've just finished sixth form and I'm going to university in September so I'm just here. Yeah, I'm working at the moment. Hi there. I'm Peter. 
Uh, I'm retired, and for those of you who aren't retired, I must warn you that life can get busier when you are retired. Um, I did lots of different jobs when I was younger, um, but my main job was working as a policeman, Metropolitan Police, for 30 years. Um, Very interesting, meeting lots of people, and you may have questions about that. Um, But now, as I say, I'm retired, I've got three grandchildren, and uh, it's fascinating to look back on one's life, especially and to see how one's faith has um, directed you over the years. I probably don't need to say much, but just to say I am extremely competitive um, and, I, and I struggle with ambition quite genuinely. So, genuinely, so um, yeah. Great. Ask me about it. <laughs> so as you can see, there's four very different people with very different life experiences. So as you're chatting on your tables and getting your drinks, um, yeah, come up with some questions, write them down on the paper on your tables and then either come and put them in this bowl um, or someone might come and get them for you if you don't want to move um, but yeah you've got about 10 minutes um, get some questions written down and drinks will be served over there with donuts I believe so help yourself Gins. so bear with us um, we're going to do the best we can we have grouped a few of them but We are still reading, but it's all good. We're going to go with it. So, panel, are we ready? We're going with it. Great. Question question one. Open to the panel. um, See what you think. Doesn't God want to give me all the desires of my heart? And they've quoted Psalm 37, verse 4. Doesn't God want to give me the desires of my heart? (laughs) Good start. Good start. Oh, green mic. Thanks, Lucia. It's on. It's on. Um, Yeah, I'm sure God does if they're in line with his plan for our lives. Um, It's easy to be, um, shall we say, distracted um, by the world um, and driven away from God's best interest for us. Um. So something that God's been speaking to me about recently is that is to kind of take the long view when it comes to the desires of my heart and the gifts that I've been given. So, for example, I thought the desires of my heart were to use certain gifts that I feel that God's given me in a professional context, and I'm working out that I can still live out those giftings and those desires in a different context. So does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's maybe about being a bit bit flexible about what those um, desires are and how they may come into fruition in our lives. Anyone else? No? Does anyone want to come back on that? Follow-up question, anyone? No. Wonderful. We're going to move on. We've got loads of questions. Next one. Can a lack of ambition be a problem as a Christian? Can a lack of ambition be a problem as a Christian? I think that's a really tricky question. Yeah, I do. As someone who's ambitious. ambitious. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be. As the middle-aged man on the panel. Yeah. Yeah. Can a lack of ambition. Um, I I think what I'd say to that is, I guess, what ambition... 
what might be the ambition that, that is you're kind of thinking of? Are you thinking of, as a Christian, so coming back to what I said in the talk, you've got, and we're going to sing the song actually at the end, um, it's the song, I don't like the chorus, but I love the verse, and I'll, it's the third verse, it says, um, uh, oh, now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours. To possess by faith what I could not earn, all-surpassing gift of righteousness. And that, I guess, um, if you are struggling to, if that is not your ambition, is that, if that is not even a hope of yours, if you don't want to know Jesus better, I totally understand that. I've been there. Um, my wife and I went through some quite tricky stuff about six or seven years ago around children and trying to have children and things like that. And for a very long period of time, sometimes still to this day, I wanted Jesus nowhere near me. I was like, I believe you. I believe you're true and I believe you're real, but I don't want anything to do with you. I'm still a Christian, but I, I can't be, I can't praise you. I can't sing to you, all of that. And I think there was definitely something inside me that said, I don't, I don't want to be like Jesus. And I think what I did myself through those years was I clung to what I knew was true even when I didn't feel it maybe is important to say Um, I knew he lived I knew he died and I knew there was such a body of evidence and people that had seen him raised and I couldn't argue with that and so I couldn't turn my back and so I guess what I'd say is go give it time Um, don't give up on him Um, go back to the very core of what we believe as Christians, which is that Jesus lived and he died and he was who he said he was. And over time, I think the ambition of wanting to know him more, wanting to, for, to have him have more influence in your life will come, I think. I could have gone lots of ways with that, but I think... No, that's great. That's great. We're going to aim this one at Amber. That's all right. Um, how do you... Sorry, my grammar's awful. The question is written right. I tried to change it and I couldn't do it. How can you be ambitious and be a full-time student? Um, So, yeah, I've just left sixth form. And I think especially for GCSEs, I was very ambitious on the grades that I was getting because I was told that to get good grades, you would, you know, have a better chance in life at getting a good job and everything. Um, but I found that, you know, as I started studying more, I don't know, something, I don't know, it just, although I was putting my heart and soul into it, there was still something missing. So even though I was putting everything into this, I knew that I would still worry at the end of the day, like what my grades would be. And when I, you know, prayed to God and when I trusted God, especially towards come, coming up like a month before my GCSEs, um, things personally took a really hard turn and I really had to trust God on what the outcome would be because I did a lot of preparation and unfortunately this just took a massive blow in my life and I really had to trust God so I think you can still be ambitious you know God has given you all the talents, especially students, you know, you're trying to figure out what your talents are and what your purpose is and linking with the other question. It's okay if you don't know what your ambition is yet or what your purpose is because God will reveal that to you um, when the right moment comes. 
And when he's finally got all the doors lined up in place for you. Um, So I think you definitely can be a full-time student and still praise God at the same time and trust God that whatever outcome, whether it's going to be good results, whether it's going to be bad results, that either way, he's got the best plan for you and that's going to be very personal for you. So, Amazing. Anyone want to say anything? Go on, Rach. I think it's just important to draw the distinction between kind of targets, you know, whether that's professionally or at school, and the ambition (coughs) of your heart. So, of course, we should be trying to reach our, you know, our potential at school. We should try our best, and as students and at work, we should be trying to do well. We should be trying to do the very best that we can within the capabilities that we've been given. But but our, our success is not where our confidence should be is not where our security is it doesn't define us and that's where our ambition that that true ambition right at the very core of who we are that Sai was talking about um needs to be rooted in Jesus if that's you know if, if that's the life we're signing up to here um if that's the kind of the the faith life that we've chosen that we can't have those those targets being to get straight A's or to get the promotion or to you know, reach those financial targets or, or whatever. Cool. Peter, do you think that ambition changes over stages of your life? Can your ambition change? Um, of course it does, I'm sure. Um, during the interval, Mary m- reminded me that when I was very young, my ambition was to be a conductor on the moon bus. Um, that didn't work out. Well, it hasn't yet, anyway. Um, <laughs> Still time. Uh, Another ambition when I was a teenager um, was uh, to do something. I have a a photograph here, which I'll show the team here. Uh, You can have a look at it later, see if you can identify me. Um, That was another ambition I had. Um, And we do live in a very competitive world, don't we? We we take exams and we're we're going for jobs and um, ambitions do change. Um, But Mary, my wife, reminded me this morning that Nicky Gumbel, who, who some of you will know, um, had, a, had a few words to say on this. Um, God does wish for us to live a life and reach our full potential, our gifts. And uh, Nicky Gumbel says, as you seek him to live your life according to his purposes, you will bear much fruit. You can live a life of real purpose that will make a difference to the world because of what you receive from him. The key to that potential lies in your relationship with Jesus. Your full potential is not about being driven by worldly ambition or success. It is about recognising who you are in God. Um, This has been my experience in life, I'm sure. As you seek him and live your life according to his purposes, you will bear much fruit. Um, The the more you begin to fulfil your God-given potential the more he entrusts to you. Um, he wants you to live a life of abundance. And I think that's been true in, in my life in terms of ambition. It may not have been um, all, the, all the worldly ambitions that uh, are put before us and the world sees, but that's certainly been my, my experience. I don't know, Rach, is, does that say anything for you as well in terms of ambition changing? in terms of career and motherhood and um 
Yeah, I, well, yeah, I suppose the, um, I've had to rethink what my ambitions are um, and how they play out in my life because at one point I felt like because I'm good at this, that means that will look like this in my day-to-day and in my kind of work life. And I suppose it's trying to, tra- you know, allow God to <laughs> convince me that my, my giftings are transferable and that I can still be ambitious um, within a life that's predominantly at home with my children um, and, you know, different areas of service that I can, um, that I can use those giftings in and, yeah, and, and use that ambition in, so... Cool. Moving on. This is for the panel. It's understandable that even our dreams for God can be tainted by selfish selfish ambition. How do we pursue these dreams in a Christ-like way whilst throwing off the selfishness? I'll begin on that, but (laughs) someone will have to finish off. I think we actually, in the room before the service... This Eddie asked us, what questions do you think will come up? And this one, we thought might. And my answer was, could you give it up? Could you give up that ambition? And I, I know that came out in the talk, and that was probably the heart of the talk, is with this rich young man who comes up, has a lot of money. Can he give it up? Can he hand it over to Jesus and trust Jesus with the outcome? Um, and I, I think I'd say that. I think that's the answer. How do, you, how do you pursue, let's call it worldly ambition, whether it's I am great at understanding things and so I'm going to become a lawyer and I want to be the, I'm not a lawyer by the way, but I want to be the best lawyer I can be. Maybe that is rising to the top of fresh fields because my understanding is so good and I'm so good at putting together arguments and understanding things and actually, maybe that job blesses a huge amount of people as you bring Christian um, integrity to the role of the top job at Freshfields. Who knows? Um, but I think, how do you protect that ambition from becoming selfish as you grow through your life and as you pursue it, as you go through the different jobs, as you're asked to do different things? I guess, um, I think it, there are lots of things you can do. Um, firstly, am I call to am I being asked to be dishonest am I being asked to do things that Jesus wouldn't as he sees them if he was right in the room there would I still do them um you're going to have things like that where you might be called to those might be the signs that maybe this isn't quite um in line with what I believe but I think it comes back to the heart of I've got this ambition to be the top lawyer at Freshfields could I give it up if I was asked if Jesus said, Simon, you've got to give it up, could I? And I think that is the answer. If you can't, I think it's gone to a place where that is your selfish ambition. You are holding on to it. It becomes that locked box inside you with the key very tightly closed. And I would say, for me, that's... That I, and I don't think I've been able to answer that rightly in my life and I go back to the Ironman example um, I don't know whether doing the Ironman was was a godly thing to do I genuinely don't and I still don't and I think at times God probably asked me not to do it maybe in different ways but I was stubborn selfish and blind in some ways and I think I pursued it and I think 
there are times when probably I was asked subconsciously, could I give this up? And I thought, I love this too much. And I want to hold on to it too much. And I think that's when it becomes, that's when you know, I think. Yeah, certainly life does, um, the world does send you down cul-de-sacs. Um, you do mess up. We all mess up in our careers and jobs. Um, I often say to people, um, if you find the perfect job, let me know, because uh, I haven't found it yet. Um, we think we've got the perfect job, and then it all goes wrong, or, or something happens. It, it's getting that right understanding of a relationship with the world and God um, that is important. Um, that photograph uh, of me going around, um, I never joined the Navy. I, my eyesight wasn't good enough, and that was a real blow to me. But uh, I've managed to continue sailing all my life. I still sail now. And uh, as I've told you, I joined the police, Metropolitan Police, and I discovered the uh, commissioner has got his own Navy, the Marine Police. So I joined that. You know, it's amazing how... Um, Somehow, if you stay close to God, he, he will bless you in abundance. And I've been blessed, I feel, in my life. Not to say that I've got everything right, but uh, my experience, if you stay close to God, he'll stay close to you. Amazing. Next question. I'm a struggling teacher, and my ambition is to make it to the end of the academic year with my class, but stress is wearing down my mental health. How do you think God sees this ambition? I know we were talking just a minute ago, and although this says teacher, I think this is really relevant in any profession, I guess. So I don't know, Rach, if you want to start <laughs> as the teacher. Um, yeah, so I, I think, again, this is um, it's important to sort of draw a distinction between our own ambitions and the targets professionally that we've either given ourselves or that have been put onto us. In this case, somebody who um, feels professionally that they should get to the end of the academic year, but they're struggling. Um, uh, I've actually been through something very similar recently. Um, and um, I think we need to stay in step with God um, and we need to um, seek support and help. And sometimes, although it doesn't make sense for our professional life, for our career ambitions, and possibly our pride can take a massive knock, um, sometimes we have to sack it off and say, I can't do this at the moment because I need to look after my mental health, my physical health, my family health, whatever it might be. Um, and that can be a really, really hard thing to do, to ask for support because it shows a certain kind of vulnerability that a lot of us are not happy um, to show, particularly when we see ourselves as quite um, ambitious and quite capable people. I think it's about kind of um, not wanting to look like we're not capable, like we're not coping. Um, but I don't think God's got any interest in us powering on for, you know, professional um, success when we're falling apart. So to that, um, I would say seek prayer and support um, and your professional targets are a drop in the ocean right now. Anyone else? No? Cool. Thank you, Rach. Um, Peter, as the policeman, officer, 
whatever the technical word is. Can ambition move you to criminal mindedness? Discuss. Well, I think <laughs> statistics would prove that to be the case. Um, <laughs> Such a good question. Such a good question. And again, we're back to fundamentals, aren't we? About being driven by selfish ambition and um, greed and uh, competitiveness. Um, they can all lead you up the wrong path. And um, that's very true, I think, of um, the world. I mean, we live, don't we, in a wounded and divided world. Um, there's a lot um, of good in the world. There's also a lot of bad. Uh, this is the Holocaust Remembrance Day, isn't it? Um, but this day as well, um, 1759, I think it was, Mozart was born. And you think of all the beautiful music he wrote. Life is, the world is full of contrasts, isn't it? Um, but if it is so easy to take a wrong path and to end up in, in clink. <laughs> Amazing. Um, to the panel, did you ever have an ambition you later wished you hadn't have had? I haven't prepped you on that one, sorry. I just found it. <laughs> did you ever have an ambition you later wished you hadn't have had? Well, I think... Um, Go, Amber. I'm, I'm going to try my best. <laughs> um, I think life is just, you know, you go through a whole lot of tests and you just try and work your way through it as best you can. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from them and all you can try and do is try your best at all the doors that open up and one thing that I do is that um, if, I've, if I don't know what I'm going to do next or if I don't know where my ambition is leading me, I just ask God to either keep the doors open that are in front of me and shut the rest or you know, just for him to lead me to like Bible verses and stuff like that. So I think just, yeah, just learning from the mistakes and just trying your best to find the door that God's trying to lead you through. Great. Anyone else? Any ambitions that you want to share? No? It's a tough question. No, I'm not going to share any details. I'm not going to share any details about something because I'm just not quite ready to do that. But um, broadly, quite recently, I pursued something that somebody, somebody said to me, you need to kick up a fuss about this particular issue in a professional context. And that. so um, I did. But I didn't feel right about it in my spirit from the beginning. And it all went in a direction that, I, that, that wasn't how I had expected. And I came out of it feeling a bit beaten and battered, quite honestly. Um, and although the thing that I was making a fuss about was, you know, was valid, um, and it wasn't in itself a bad ambition or a bad point to make, it wasn't my battle, and I knew that from the beginning. And um, I suppose... Um, what I came away with from that was to to just trust that kind of um, that sense in your spirit of either either having peace about something or about 
and being unsettled about something. And if you do feel unsettled in your spirit, and if you're, you know, as Christians, we have this amazing hotline to the truth. You know, if, if, we're, if we're in step with God and we're, and we're praying and we're, and we're worshipping and, and we're really pursuing a relationship with God, um, we do have that peace or not about things that are not black and white in, you know, in the world's view or even or in any perspective. They're just, there's a lot in the world that's grey, isn't it? It's, you know, it's not black and white. And, um, and so I didn't listen to that that sense in my spirit that God was giving me. And I went for it, and I regretted it. Great, we'll leave it there. (laughs) Two more questions, two more questions. To the panel, what is unchristian about wanting to be the very best at something? Isn't it a way of glorifying God by making the most of our gifts? Iron Man. Go on, Iron Man. Do you know, I saw this one, and I kind of... (laughs) I, I wanted to answer, try and answer it. I don't quite know what I'm going to say, but I'm hoping it's going to come out right. Um, uh, um, I, when I was at university, so I, before the whole triathlon dream um, thing emerged in my life, um, I was a big hockey player. Hockey was my game uh, ever since the age of six, I think, all the way through to Durham University, where I probably haven't picked up a hockey stick since about the age of 24, so 12 years or so. Um, and I was part of a group called Christians in Sport, Christians in Sport at university. And there's a real tagline there of an audience of one, an audience of one. And what it means by that is when you play your sport, when you're on the pitch, when you are playing for England at Twickenham and you are the only Christian on the pitch, you're not playing for the people in the, in the stands. You're not playing for their glory and for their praise to say, wow. Wasn't number 11 just the, the most incredible player on the pitch that day? You're playing for the opinion of one person, and that is God. And I think that, I think it's totally possible to want to be the best. And I know that slightly contradicts. I think as long as, as, long as you have at your core, you want... To be, to be found in Jesus. You want him to be your primary ambition. You want him, and, and you kind of, he is your priority. As long as that is in place, I think that you can pursue the gifts and dreams that you have. Um, there are so many professional footballers. We should have Matt Baker here tonight. So many professional footballers, but also professional sportsmen and women who are Christians. Would you say to them, hey, you're just about to go to the Olympics, but you shouldn't really desire gold. I think you can desire gold and you can work for it. And they do. And trust me, professional sportsmen and women, we all know they pour their lives into it. Um, And I think you can desire to be the best. But I think it comes as a second priority to pleasing Jesus. And I think when you are out on the pitch, and I know all the Christians, because I I used to lead the group at at Durham, um, all the, the Christians who play that professional sport use that tagline, audience of one. Um, it's for his glory. And so actually as you play, yes, of course you want to beat the opposition. Yes, of course you want the gold medal in the Olympics. Yes, of course you want to be the fastest you, can be, you possibly can be to maximize the gift that God has given you. But it comes underneath the major priority that God is your king 
and you're playing for him alone. That's what I'd say, I think. And that could go along sport, but everything else, I think. Um, so one of the things that I have kind of grown up with is like I can be a bit of, try and be a bit of a perfectionist, um, <laughs> especially when it came to my studies. And I think over the last year or two, like I've really realized that you don't have to be the best for God to use you. I think God uses you with every like life situation that you've had and tries to turn it so that you can help others. Even if you don't realize you're helping someone else, even if you don't think it's some grand gesture, I think, yeah, you just, you don't have to be the best necessarily in order for God to see you as valuable or important in, in growing his kingdom. Amazing. Finally, if, underlined, you achieve your God-given ambition, what do you do next? (laughs) Anyone? Go on, Peter, or Amber, don't mind. I think he'll give you another one. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly that. I think... um, Yeah, no, and as well, exactly like I said before, you know, God will use every experience like you've ever gone through. So it's not, it may be that we actually, we don't have one single purpose. It may be that we have several purposes in our lives that we will fulfill, not just one. And it'll all like come together at the end in like one amazing like big picture that we maybe didn't yet see at the beginning. I I think... I, I'm going to go with the kind of real biblical ambition here. And I think the closer, they say this, the closer you get to a microscope, the more you realize um, how um, unclean something is. So you take, a, you take a tiny little sewing needle and it looks like this beautiful, clean, precise, shiny instrument. You put it under a microscope and you see all the like pox and it's broken, it's knobbly and bobbly. And I would say that um, as a Christian, the, the closer you get to Jesus in relationship, the more you realize yourself, you are pretty rubbish and, and falling short. And I think, and I would say that actually, as you grow as a Christian, if you are growing as a Christian, you become more aware of your um, dependence on him, the grace that he's given you, but you're there by grace. And I would say, therefore, perhaps does the ambition to please him and, I don't know, work on the areas that he highlights, does that ever stop? Because the more you, the older you get, the more you go through it, perhaps the more clear it becomes that you need to... No? As we finish, um, we were talking as a panel, as a panel, as a group before the service, um, and we came back right at the end to, in fact, Eddie, just as he left the room, went, now, what was Jesus' ambition? And we all went, uh, and then to die for us, to come to give his life, to die, a, yeah, a death that he did not deserve so that we can be free. And I think that just links everything together. Ultimately, when our ambition is in line with what Jesus did for us and Jesus' ambition absolutely like more and more our ambitions are not going to run out God's plans and his purposes for us are not going to run out um and yeah he will show us more and more as we turn to him